I wouldn't get upset about it and start whining no. about it. That was no, I mean, yeah, no, the dog will take care of the whining for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Uncle Bob thinks he's funny. Oh, oh she problem. didn't like she didn't like that. Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. You'll probably notice there's a few distractions in the background of this episode. Yeah. My dog was a little fired up, and so were Bob's. The big thing we wanted to tackle was how would you start a brand new team? Bob and I walked through the things that we would do if we were put on a brand new team as a leader or an agile coach, whatever the name is. With this information, you're now empowered to go start the best teams in the history of the universe. So please listen all the way to the end, get all the nuggets you can, ask questions on Discord, hit us up on Twitter, whatever it is, we're here to help. So listen in, dig in, and go be awesome. So Metacasters, the scenario is each of us join a new Agile instance. We're going to call it a team. What's our role? Our role is a leadership role. We're not joining as a Scrum Master. We're probably joining as a coach or as a leader, something mm -hmm. like that. We're prescribing how to start, though. So we are doing the setup. So we join a new company either as a permanent hire or a consultant, doesn't matter, we can pick. We walk in the door, brand spanking new team, everyone's smiling, everyone's perky, they wanna go agile. And so what do we do? The mindset is, so I just wanna make sure that we're level setting on the type of hires that have been made. Is this a transformation or this is, hey, we just stood it up and hired experienced agilists no, or these are no. it's, it's all over it's real world so it's all okay. over the place okay there's a bob galen in there and Ooh. you know how that is yeah and then there's a josh and then there's some newbies and there's some 20-year vets it's a normalized team and it could be multiple teams and we walk in the door and we're going agile and so what what is the first steps you know what's the first in the first sprint or two what are the actions we take what first? kinds of things that we're going to do I guess I'll go since you did the intro. I would level set on a couple of things. Let's all get on the same page about what Agile really is. And let's have that baseline set of Agile for us means X, Y, and Z. Because I've been places, I've hired people in very Agile shops that came from very Agile shops, but their Agile was different than ours. So expectations yep. were different and there was this unexpected clash of I, I just assumed they would fold right in and everything would be fine. But it's like, well, no, this is how we do it. And why are you doing it like this? This doesn't make any sense. And there was a lot more headbutting than I expected when I did that. So lesson learned, making sure that that's taken care of. Second, I would really educate the team on our business, how we make money, why our customers use our products, because that's one of the things that so often is yeah. missing in that I'm just building a thing and I'm building a thing because I think somebody said that our customers are going to like it and they'll buy it. But I really want commercially minded teams that understand how and why the product makes somebody's life better because then you can start to make better decisions along the way. I talk about the micro choices that are made throughout a sprint or a project where you're, somebody's deciding while they're writing the code, is it going to be this way or this way? And yeah. 
you might with good intention make a good call, but without fully understanding the business, that might actually be the wrong one, even though it feels right for you. Like I've been places where we acquired a product and it was a, it was an iPad app. And I first looked at it and it was the most hideous UI that I'd ever seen. It looked like the old game of Simon. I don't know if you remember that, like the big round no. thing with the big buttons. Oh yeah, was, I, do. I do. Yeah. And it was like a big blue button and a big red button and a big green button and a big, like whatever color I didn't say. And just giant. And I'm like, what this UI is ridiculous. Like, this is really the best we can do. And we bought this company. Well, after talking to the person that ran the company, I, at, and I raised that question, I'm like, what is the deal with this UI? Like, it, like, this is the best that you can do? Like, I feel like we can make a lot of changes there. And he said, well, here's the thing you don't understand. This gets mounted in a garbage truck. And big garbage trucks tend to bounce a lot. Oh, okay. And they are working with gloves on. So we needed to give them big, giant buttons to hit because they're running around. They're diving in the truck, trying to just push a button. We needed to make it as simple as possible for them to hit the button in a moving, bouncing truck. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. But because I didn't know, it, it just seemed like a silly choice. So somebody might have tried to make a good interface that made sense without fully understanding the need of the user or the customer. So those are the first two things that I would do. I'll pass it off to you if you have a couple. No, of... no, no. I, no, I want your list. Like it's the first oh, sprint. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Team norms, team definitions are going to be key. So norms for me aren't, they are less around how we interact with each other. It's our like protocol of this is how work is going to flow through the system code reviews when we do them how we do do them ci and cd how it works what kind of tests are we going to write where are they going to get run in the process deployments what are the environments where's all this stuff going what's our repo is it going to be a mono repo is it going to be a bunch of microservices all, like all of those basics and again making sure that the whole goal with these first couple of weeks is so that when we hit the go button, everybody has complete clarity of this is how I'm going to go. And we're all going to go in the same direction at the same time, taking the same steps. And those get shortchanged a whole lot because it's like, oh, we'll figure it out as we go. And that leads to a little bit of chaos when things start, when you know the least. So try and remove that out of the system is something that I would do. Definition of ready is something okay. I would actually do before the definition of done. Because again, the goal that I have for refinement or planning or anything like that, however you want to call it, is that we get to a point where any member of the team can pick up that story and go with confidence. So let's make sure that we get everybody's input on what is going to enable them to be confident and grab a story and go. So you have a business focus. I mean, it's, there's other focus points, but yeah. you have this strong business alignment, even with the definition of ready over definition of done to me a little bit, like really focusing on the delivery side or the, what are we building side of things? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it seems silly to me to do a definition of done before a definition of ready. Cause like you yeah. have to be ready before you're done, but yeah. there's so many that leap to the definition of done. And that's where like the team norms and these definitions kind of squish together. But if you tackle them all 
at the same time, then I find it works pretty well. Then of course the definition of done is what does done look like? What does it mean? What does yep. done mean for the demo? Like we aren't going to demo things that aren't done. So if it hasn't gone through the whole thing and isn't deployed in this environment that we're only going to do the demos from, then it just doesn't matter. And we didn't succeed. So you have a two week interval. I'm giving you like two or three weeks. Are you going to be doing all this schmoozing and definition and training stuff and then start a sprint? I'm asking how much time before you actually start working? Well, that's a, that's not a good question because we are working. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. But that's a waterfall Bob question. It is. It is, <laughs> it is a little bit. But but I'm really trying yeah. to say, like for the Medicast, you know, how much time investment, roughly, on this startup stuff, as opposed to getting going? is I would hope to be able to get that done in like a week and a half. I think it could be okay. done in a week, but it's going to get dependent upon complexity of the business and who all is going to be required to help us understand the business because you're likely going to need people from across the organization to come in and explain the whole yep. thing. Another key piece that is important to me is understanding the product and the product isn't just the thing that we're shipping. It's the whole experience that a customer has. I go back to the, uh, the consumer mindedness of understanding that and understanding how we sell to people and why people buy our product what support is what kind of nightmares people have in support or what kind of nightmare support is for us to really understand the entire de delivery to our customer because again there's so often that people just focus on the bits and bytes and the features that are shipped that there's so much that the customer lives through that isn't just that, that we could be thoughtful of and potentially build tools or sim simplify things or just maybe write documentation and hire a technical writer, you know, to solve some of those problems. So those are my first off the cuff thoughts okay. of how I would tackle that problem. Let me react to that. I'm going to yeah. react to you, but it's how I would, I, I'm probably going to start differently than you. Ooh. And I would have never, not that I'm, that's the goal, but I think this business stuff is sort of frou-frou stuff mm. uh, up front. Uh, we're going to let it emerge. So mm. you you seem to have like an aversion to figuring it out as we go. The major business issues or the the customer goals. And, and I'm like, we'll, we'll figure it out. We need something. Yeah. So so I'm, I agree with you, an Agile 101, get everyone on the same page. Uh, the difference I would have that you you just didn't say it is I would I would be very prescriptive with what what method we're going to use. So it would be Scrum by the book, mm -hmm. or it would be Kanban by the book, because it's a new team. So I want everyone to follow the rules. Uh, I would probably do a DoD definition of ready quickly, uh, knowing that they're going to iterate. So I wouldn't be looking for per, you know a perfect one, just yeah. something a stake in the ground. Uh, what else did you, I? I would whack a backlog together. Or I'd ask the product side, the business side, to whack a backlog together, maybe with a minor bit of vision, a minor bit of what problem are we trying to solve. But I would be leaning much faster. Probably if if I was doing it, it, it would be like two or three days, Josh. Because mm -hmm. what I'd want is to start building. I'd, I'd want the team. My biggest concern is getting the team to gel. Mm -hmm. 
and getting them to start iterating that feedback learning loop as soon as humanly possible and getting that started. It's almost like a lawnmower, getting the engine started yeah. and, and, and doing just enough to get the engine started. And then we can do the learning on the, I mean, yes, bring the customer folks in, bring the business folks in, explain what, you know, what's the why behind things, but the little engine that could is going on. The other thing I, I would do the team norms, like you were talking about, um, the other thing is I would probably, separate from that, I'd probably talk to the leadership team and give them like an agile. So there's a there's a team 101 uh, to get the little engine going according to some really prescriptive rules and then yeah. go. Uh, and then there's the leadership 101 to say, get the, you know, here's the lawnmower or whatever, whatever the metaphor is. You, you need this is how you interact with it you fill it with gas and then you step back or whatever or you pull the cord once and then you you if the team needs you mm -hmm. you support them i'd probably do a leadership uh I'd, I'd start the leadership coaching training realization thing again that would be ongoing as well right yeah well, react to what i said it's a it's slightly different from yours yeah it is um I assumed the product side of the house would have a backlog and I would want them to sprinkle that in with learning and say, Hey, here's how we plan to tackle that. Here's some of the things that are queued up for us to go tackle based on what we just heard from so-and-so just to try and get those wheels rolling. And then something that would naturally happen given a room of engineers is they would start architecting things so i i would want to keep it all on the whiteboard like everything we oh, do yeah, yeah. up on the whiteboard yeah, yeah and as we're starting to piece things together let's throw something up there of okay based on what little we know this is how we would probably do it then over that week to week and a half you would refine that before yep. you start putting fingers to keyboards well i mean in a covid world uh, it would disrupt my thinking because i'm aligned with you yeah. everything would be low fidelity yeah. Everything would be whiteboards, cards, post-it notes. And I, I know in our current world, yeah. that's a challenge, but I'd still really try to keep things simple uh, as much as possible. Uh, again, on the architecture, I'd want to, I'd want to sort of throw people in and say, you're going to be uncomfortable, get used to it. Yeah. So on the product side, we're not going to have all the answers. And on the architecture side, we're not going to have all the answers. It's going to emerge. Well, what does that mean, Bob? I have no freaking idea. We're going to figure yeah. it out as we go, but we're going to iterate and we're going to start. And in about two or three or four sprints, the team will mature, the architecture will mature, right? And and our vision of the of what we're building will mature as well. Yeah. But I I'd want to I I think that you're doing I think your idea was a little bit more pre work. Yeah. It's a it's a trade off of, you know, my view is going it's going to create some waste or churn. So how mm -hmm. much? What's the balancing act? Stephen yeah, said, Stephen gave us a question. He said, a new team, how do you Hold handle on. the tech? Hold on, before we jump there, I definitely want to go, go there. Go for it. A reason why I would force that business learning to the front, and you have to okay. revisit it because it's going to be so much up front. Yeah. It is going to be the fire hose. You're going to hear 5% of what's spoken. At. My biggest concern is that what normally happens with humans is the tactical wins out. So we'll get into the oh, tactics of okay. executing and doing stuff. And then it will be hard for us 
to start to jam in some of the I, strategic overview of what's going on. So yes, it's a heavy hammer to start, but I like hitting that foundation early before we get the things rolling and building the stuff. And then now we're like, oh, we got to learn that. And it's just, so, I feel like you're playing catch up if you don't do it no, soon. It's a good point. I, I think it's context sensitive, right? Yeah. What kind of product is it? Is it a new product or is it something long lived a maintenance? Uh, the culture is part of it. The tech, the complexity, the mm -hmm. team. I, I agree with you. I think it depends. And that's a good point. If for a variety, for some, some of those factors, you would want to do some of that pre because you may not get to it. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to evolve nonetheless. Uh, on, on Steve had something about the environment setup. I would, I'll weigh in with, I, I, I would keep it ugly to start uh, and very lightweight to start. So the CI environment would be the minimal version. Hopefully there's something existing and I would band-aid something. The QA environment would be the same thing. Uh, I would not be looking to establish like a full automation suite before we started and things like that. So I think I would be wanting to, I would lean heavily into that's douche stuff and deliver something rather than prep the architecture, the product, or the environment. Do just enough. Now, I think that's context-based as well, but still, it's. I want people work. It's not working to deliver something. It's like, I want the team to, to gel. Just setting up norms doesn't mean you have a team, right? I want people to get pissed off. I want people to figure out who's good at that. No, no, I want us to have like, a, a, you know, a helter-skelter retrospective after the first sprint or iteration because we're going to have it anyway. So let's, let's just start figuring stuff out. Josh, what do you think about environment? Yeah, I, I agree also with that, getting people going. I end up just baking that work into the backlog and really prioritizing what's the least amount of CI and CD that we need to get going and then having it in the backlog so that you actually get to it and making sure that the product owner understands why it's important and that it needs to be invested in just like the screen we're building or the service that we're building and and start to set it up so it can evolve over time as we need it. But again, to me, it's really important to treat that just like all of the other work that is on the backlog because otherwise, again, it gets left in the background. and things don't go as smooth as you would like. And then you're always playing catch up. And then because you're always playing catch up, just things aren't, aren't as smooth as you would like. And it's always like, Oh, you know, we're gonna have to take like three weeks to do this. Right. And if you chunk it up and then do little bits along the way, then you're able to keep pace with it. But it does require a special relationship with a product organization to make sure that they understand or having a special product person that understands the right. value of it. And that's, it's been about 30% of the folks that I've worked with have that natural, like, okay, I get it. And then there's yeah. like 20% that will just blindly trust. Like, okay, if you say this is important, then we're going to do it. I won't even ask, right. which is kind of dangerous, but it's better than them just saying no. Gosh, I lost my thought as well. I was going to uh -oh. say um, there was something important that I, why well, I thought it was important. Um, this is the absent-minded episode. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I think there's two backlogs. So I, I think it's a real good point that you made that the earlier we start interleaving activity on the backlog, the better. Mm -hmm. So I would agree with that, like placeholders, et cetera. Uh, 
I would be making a Bob Galen backlog. And 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 this aligns with let's get going. So I'd be looking, I'd be observing the team. I'd be creating a hit, looking for impediments. So it's not just what's happening at the team level as a coach or a leader. And I'm sure you would do the same thing. You might not capture it in a backlog form, but you'd be like taking notes, note to yeah. self, right? Bob doesn't work. What Bob doesn't, don't let Bob architect anything in, in the future, <laughs> right? But how do I do that? How do I finesse that? Because Bob's a good guy and he has, he has strengths. So mm -hmm. I'd be creating a hidden backlog. Uh, so I could, for me, and I'd be prioritizing things, it'd be my coach's backlog. Whether I was a leader or a coach or a scrum master, I'd be, because we dove in so quickly and there'd be so much stuff going on that I'd be capturing that, prioritizing it, and using it in retros, et cetera, having one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities and things like that. I might even twist someone's arm and say, you know what? I observe that we need more testing infrastructure. I need to go talk to the manager of QA and we need to prioritize that slightly different. So we're doing a little more because it's dragging the team, even if it didn't come up to the team. So I think for a new team, I'd be leveraging my experience in a backseat oriented way, but really trying to help guide this thing that we've started moving. What, what do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah. That, so I agree completely, but that's where so many less experienced agile leaders stumble. They stumble because they have the strong desire to allow self-directed teams to self-direct. But the problem is that when you do that, you take all of your experience and the reason somebody hired Bob, you just put it on a shelf and it adds yep. no value. So you have to learn how to walk this very thin line of yep. helping to encourage and inspire a self-directed team, but also lending the tremendous value that you have as a leader to accelerate them or to nudge them in the right direction. And I see... Oftentimes it's one or the other, as opposed right. to people trying to do both. And, right. and most of the newer folks heavily lean on, well, they're self-directed. They're going to figure it out. That's what they do. You know, like I, I got to let them do it. When in reality, like we hired you for a reason because yep. you've been amazing at doing X, Y, and Z. And that knowledge and experience would really help us. So you have to use it. <laughs> You have to pour it into the system, but you can't overflow the system with it. Absolutely. Well, and I think here this a, it's a new team, and we want to accelerate them as quickly as we can to higher performance, right? And that so that's I we didn't I didn't say that in the setup, but it really is that not overly accelerate them, but but again, it's that's that's guide them along that path. Anything else on the startup that we missed? A standard approach that I do with new teams is I have them understand how to be a teammate and how to be a team, what a good team uh, looks like. Yeah. Again, that's that's one of those things that people think they know what it is. But the problem is if you've got eight people, you probably have eight different views of what a good team or teammate is. Debugging teams is the book that I always have folks read. And that aligns us on the definition of this is what we aspire to be. And yeah. then... Unfortunately, so many members of teams are unprepared with how to have those crucial conversations Like yeah. when it really matters. You know, you talked about yeah. having that retro that's kind of messy at first. There will be many folks that just like back down and be quiet because they're uncomfortable and these folks are new and they don't want to seem like the like the pushy person or whatever it might yeah. might be. So getting that out front of this is who we are 
this is how we're going to operate. We aren't personally attacking you. Everybody's here to help each other. But this is what the finish line looks like. That's what we aspire to be as a team. And then these are the steps and tools we're going to use to get there. Because again, people take that for granted in that we all know what a good team looks like. And there's so many people that if you ask them what a good team looks like, you'll get kind of a half-ass answer. It's like when somebody asks yep. about the culture and they give you the, well, you know, we work hard and we play hard. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, you don't have a culture. You don't know what it is if you say that. So um, it's the same thing with uh, teams. I, I think though, um, this is more of a question. I, I think that's less of an upfront description and it's more of, I've seen you do this at a company where you're very active in your interaction during the execution and the game and you're giving that feedback so i think it's like 80 20 you might 20 percent at the beginning talk about what a good team looks like 10 percent, but then really the majority of your focus is actively coaching during the execution dynamics giving and that's more of a question is it what's that balance um, i would lean into into the execution dynamics yeah i the reason why i would do it the opposite because having read those books and talked about it, I then can refer back to that requirements document, which is that book or what we agreed that we were going to okay. be and say like, Hey, remember the thing we talked about in chapter, whatever. Yeah, this is really hard. You might never have done it, but this is one of those moments where if we want to be this team, we're going to have to stand up and say this. And yeah, it's so you're more, and yeah, you don't like it. Go ahead. So you're more upfront in that as well. Yeah. Okay. And I'm less, I, I mm. want to be now, which would mean that I'd have to be around the team or whoever, someone needs to be actively coaching the team. Like during standup, if someone's snoozing, we're going to have a conversation. If there's not pairing, we're going to have a conversation. If someone ignored definition of done, we need to do something about it. If we have a lame uh, retrospective, we need to engage in that. If we're, if we're just mailing in our story points or our estimation, right. And, and we're not listening. I, I, so, so there'd be a lot of, what is it? If someone doesn't offer to help someone out, I, I, I would, I would actually be pretty active, more active than usual because it's a brand new team. And I'd be trying to model I, right, I, that behavior. I would be just as active as you, but what I rely on, it might be just what, what works for me is to be able to call back to a thing that we discussed I, okay, instead I got of you. introducing it in that moment. It's okay. This is the thing that we talked about. This is no, what we want to be. I, and, and like, this is, this is that crucial moment where it's reality and it's not just text think, in a book. Then I think you and I are aligned that way then. Yeah. Right. I, again, it's not making up, but having alignment, but it's the lean into the execution because it's the most, just reviewing the book isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm arguing, Josh, is this active coaching. This And, and then it backs off, right? Yeah. It backs off later on. But in the this is our first or second sprint, you, right? This is not, a lot of people step back and don't want, I'm talking about like really active, maybe some prescriptive coaching uh, and then backing off over time. We're, we're introducing a lot to this group of people and it is unfair for them to on day n whatever you hit the go button to do everything perfect so you need yeah. a healthy amount of support along the way that's yep. not near neck deep in the trenches we're just trying to do all this stuff you have to have somebody that's there watching the system and understanding how it's working how it's not working and be able to provide 
the input so that the team can begin to understand how to correct themselves. That's ultimately what I'm trying to do is model, just like you said, of this is how we're going to correct. And no one has the time or mental capacity inside of the team in those first five, six sprints to really step back and be able to see that because there's so much that has to get done. There's so much learning. There's so like, you don't even know these people and it's helpful to have that person, but you have to be modeling. And one of the things that's very important to me as a leader, because it's been very important to me as someone that was being led is understanding why a leader is saying this, why a leader is saying, Hey, we should go left instead of right. Cause I would get so frustrated when it felt like VP of XYZ is saying it needs to be blue. And you're like, okay, yeah. cool. Why? And it's like, it just needs to be blue. And that, yeah. that doesn't work with me at all. So, so I, so, so I work really hard to not be that person and potentially over the top, but that's, but that's a major sticky point for me. No, I want to amplify that. I think everything we do, we're active, we're prescriptive, but there's always a why. Again, we're teaching. Going back to football, I don't think it's just do this. Why why, why do this? Why is this better than that? Mm-hmm. Because it'll be stickier. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that was an important point. I, I want to land the episode on this. I want to see, I talked about leadership. Remember that leadership thing being part of it. I want to hear your reaction. Do you agree, disagree? What's your reaction to I, that? I bounce back and forth on that because what I was saying in my head while you were going through that was I would have validated that they were on board with this before I got started. So I was trying to ah, figure out okay. the, because you and okay. I accepting a job, we are going to closely inspect the leadership of that organization and see whether they're a fit for this or not. And whether we'd be banging our heads against the wall. So I wouldn't have accepted the job without knowing that. The thing that I was wrestling with is when do I need to have that conversation? Because you're right. You need to have that discussion once the shit hits the fan. I I don't know if I would do it that early or when I would pull the trigger. I would 100% do it. I'm just not sure. The timing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd do it okay. as soon as you, but it definitely has to be pretty quick. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I like where I like where this went. Do you want to, do you want to stick a fork in it? Let's do it. All right. Hey, Metacasters from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Gantlin. Oh, and even more beautiful downtown Fuquave Arena, North Carolina. I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, (laughs) y'all.